God deserves every praise from every creature every day. This is the Everyday Christian Podcast. Welcome to a special bonus episode of the Everyday Christian Podcast. I'm your host, Chase Green, and I wanted to give us a a special extra episode this week on a sermon that I preached recently called Choose Life. This is a sermon that should be near and dear to all of our hearts as Christians, and as we approach this coming election season, certainly this is something that we need to keep in mind. This is something we need to keep in mind as we teach our children the value of human life, and as we value our children's lives, including the lives of the unborn. This sermon, Choose Life, is a sermon on abortion. And as I mentioned in the sermon in just a few moments, you might want to be careful if little ears are listening to this particular topic. It's certainly a very difficult topic, but an important topic that we need to be discussing as Christians. Please have a listen to this sermon called Choose Life. It is good to see this number out this morning to be with us to worship our God in spirit and in truth. Uh, Just a disclaimer for the lesson this morning. A little bit difficult, especially for young ears. And so those who have uh, young children, we are going to talk about a national tragedy this morning. Something that we need to be aware of, especially this time of year as we're heading into election season. One of the hot topics in this particular election year, and really every election year, is this subject, and particularly particularly this year because of the president's nomination of a conservative judge to serve on the Supreme Court and particularly with this particular issue in mind, we are at a crucial juncture in our country's history. The appointing of this particular nominee to the Supreme Court, in theory, could swing the balance in such a way that would allow for this national tragedy to be abated to a large extent. This national Tragedy, this atrocity that we desperately need to get rid of, as I'm sure you have guessed, is abortion. Brethren, we need to be mindful of this. We need to think about this long and hard as we're heading into this period in our nation's history. This is one of the most heart-wrenching subjects imaginable, especially for somebody such as me and undoubtedly many here this morning, who understand just how much of a blessing a little child is. And I have three wonderful such blessings in my home. I can't imagine uh, the guilt that would be be present if we would have chosen this terrible atrocity, this terrible route known as abortion. I can't imagine that guilt. And there are many who have chosen that route, murdering a little child who afterwards feel this tremendous guilt 
And if they could just take that back, they would not have done it, but it's too late. And friends, we need to understand this morning that we have to wonder how much longer God is going to allow this nation to stand as we are murdering countless millions of children. And we also need to understand that there are countless examples in the Bible of exactly how God feels about that. And it's not pretty. When we lose as a society the sanctity of human life, and just thinking about the human life that is such a, a little one as this, in the womb, and we lose respect for that sanctity of those human lives, we're in deep trouble as a society. And that's exactly what we see in countless passages in the Bible. You know, it's amazing and it's downright shocking that we have roughly half of this, this country's voting population that is in favor of the right to choose, they say. Brethren, we need to choose life. It's not too shocking, though, because the Bible warns us that times such as these would come. And they've come at various times in history. Romans 1, verses 28 through 32, And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. Being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder. And brethren, it's murder. Strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things. Disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving. You know what the King James says? Without natural affection. And brethren, if there is ever a subject that is dealing with those who are without natural affection, this is it. Without affection for their unborn children. Why? Because of an inconvenience. Maybe because of an embarrassment. Maybe a, a younger mother has made a mistake and is pregnant out of wedlock and that's an embarrassment. So what are we going to do? We're going to hide it by doing this. By murdering the child, the innocent child. That's not how, you know, two wrongs don't make a right. Without natural affection unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgment of God that those who practice such are deserving of death not only do the same but also approve of those who practice them. If we're casting a vote in approval of this practice, God have mercy on us. We're not going to preach politics this morning. But brethren, when I see this element in the government today who is doing everything they can to keep a Supreme Court justice out of that position. Why? Because they don't want this balance swung that direction. That's why. Brethren, have mercy on us because we're in trouble when we've come that far as a nation. 
if having an abortion to take the life of an unborn child does not describe someone who is without natural affection, then I don't know what is. We're going to pay a price, a grave price as a society if we don't make amends for this. And quite frankly, we're running out of time. In January of last year, the state of New York passed a bill stating that abortion shall be legal for any reason up until the date of a baby's birth. Now, to be fair, if you look at the wording of that bill, they will say, talking about viability. Now, I have a big problem with that argument, but that is the wording of the bill. Here's the question, though. Does the law state what viability even is? No, it doesn't. Who do they leave that up to? The doctor performing the abortion. Who's to say, then, that that doctor can say, oh, inconvenience? Okay, he's not viable. His little child's not viable. Abort him. Up until the date of birth. It's atrocious. Now, I'm not for it at any stage in that little baby's development. But it shows you just how far we can go uh, looking at that ultrasound, and it's obvious that's a baby. A day, a day later, and the baby would be born, and it's viable. And yet a doctor, if he wants to, in the state of New York can say, not viable, let's get rid of them up to the date of birth. Brethren, that's how far we've come. It's atrocious. Not only this, but that same New York law, in theory, decriminalizes violence against a woman with child. A woman with child, the mom gets killed, gets murdered, no longer can you prosecute as two murders because of this law. Just one. Because they don't value that life that was in the mother's womb. Brethren, we've got to get rid of this. How are we going to do it? Well, I'll leave that up to you. I think you know. Well, if the only logical conclusion of the false premise that a baby is not human until it leaves the womb, if that is the case, and it's not, but let's say it is for the sake of argument, then who's to say that that baby is not viable when he's one year old? Can that baby survive on its own with no outside influences protecting that child at one year old? No, not viable. An inconvenience, let's get rid of it. Who's to say that we can't say that? Three years old. Five years old. I've got a five-year-old. I guarantee you, if I take him out to Lake Murray and say, here's your tent, here's your knife, here's your fire starter, have fun, son, he's not going to survive. Viability? It's a human life. Don't talk to me about viability. We should be protecting those human lives just like we should be protecting my five-year-old, my two-year-old, and my little infant. Hogwash. And we look at our society and we see 
this blatant disregard for life. And we are in a world of trouble. We're going to notice this in a moment, some verses that clearly demonstrate that fact. But before we get started with that, I want to talk to you about the history of abortion. If we're going to fight this, we need to know how in the world in the first place did we get here as a society. Abortion has been around for a long time. In fact, since ancient times, the earliest writing uh, regarding abortion is, around, is from Egypt around 1550 B.C. This is a problem that has been since the early days of the world, disregard for human life. Abortion was practiced by the ancient Egyptians, of course, also ancient India, Greece, Rome, New Zealand, and others. Interestingly, the Assyrians, who were a very brutal people, known for their torture, known for doing horrible things to enemies that they had conquered, they outlawed abortion because it was seen as denying a father the right to his progeny. They valued at least that life, didn't they? In ancient times and up until fairly recently, abortions were performed and this is as much detail as we'll get. You might want to, and it's not going to be great detail, but this will be as much as we get into. But sharp instruments, intense abdominal pressure just for the, the purpose of harming this little child, strenuous exercise, abortion-inducing herbs, and even, listen to this, purposely, falling down a flight of stairs. It's insane to get rid of a little child. Abortions were associated with witchcraft. You want to have an abortion, well, go see your local witch. Planned Parenthood of the day. In the early days of this country, as best as I can tell, abortion was a very taboo topic and did not get outlawed as early as you might think. People did do these, sadly, but it was a very low-key practice. It was a look-the-other-way. Sweep it under the rug. It was actually doctors, including the American Medical Association, who began to start lobbying against abortion in the 1800s in this nation. My, how times have changed. Now, it's true that we have doctors who courageously stand up against this evil practice, but it's also true that a large portion of the medical population is encouraging this today. Sometimes abortion in history was regulated based on the concept of quickening, quote-unquote. Quickening was said to be the time that the mother could feel the baby kicking in the womb. 
If you can feel the baby, then no, you can't abort it. But if you don't feel the baby, then that's fine. You can abort the, the child. So it was considered legal to have these abortions before quickening. But as science has caught up with the fact that a baby is alive from the moment of when? Conception. Science has proven that. What do you see? You see that little heart forming. You see a little heartbeat. You see blood flow. Science has proven that life is from conception. Thus, in the 1820s, anti-abortion laws began cropping up in the United States. Interestingly, do you want to know which state was the first state to enact anti-abortion laws? It wasn't Oklahoma. Oklahoma didn't exist. It wasn't Louisiana. It wasn't Alabama. It wasn't Texas. Connecticut. Connecticut. One of the most liberal abortion states in this union today in the 1820s, understood the value of human life. 1821, they criminalized the sale of abortion-inducing poisons. In 1829, New York made post-quickening abortions illegal and a felony and pre-quickening abortions a misdemeanor. Look, I wish they would have restricted it completely and said all of it was wrong, but I'm illustrating to you how far we have come when New York was restricting them, and now they are all but allowing just about any of it. Shockingly ironic. Also an example of the pendulum effect is that many doctors, again, were anti this practice, but now are in favor of it. In 1873, the Comstock Law was passed, aiming to keep abortion literature out of the hands of medical students as they go to medical school. You're not going to learn how to do that. Why? Because you don't need to be doing that. We're going to teach you how to murder in medical school. It's absurd. And so the Comstock Law, 1873, they outlawed that. 1910, almost every state in the nation had some sort of anti-abortion laws. But while a movement was growing in the United States to outlaw abortions, guess what was going on in France in the late 1800s? As France goes, as the rest of Europe goes, how often is the case? Slowly but surely, so goes the United States. And so in France, in the late 1800s and the early 1900s, and the rest of Europe for that matter, the feminist movement picked up steam and support for abortion grew. Margaret Sanger, a name you need to know, a very wicked woman, who was the founder of Planned Parenthood, became a leading proponent, proponent of the right to choose. January 22, 1973. Roe versus Wade. By a vote of 7 to 2. This was not a, a, a one vote tip the balances. No, 7 to 2. Roe versus Wade was passed in 1973. United States Supreme Court anti-abortion laws were struck down as unconstitutional abortion made legal, at least in some capacity, in every single state. And we have murdered millions of children. 
sense. Let's talk about the Bible and children. Behold, children are an heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Psalm 127, verse 3. The fruit of the what? The fruit of the womb is a reward. This is Hebrew parallelism dealing with the fact that children are the fruit of the womb and a heritage from the Lord is a reward. They're a blessing, not an inconvenience. Those who are without natural affection for their children don't see it that way. Hence, we came up with the term fetus, attempting to lessen the humanity of an unborn child. What else does the Bible say about these precious babies, these children that many seem to think of as an inconvenience? Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of God, Luke 18, verse 16. Children are innocent. They're helpless. They can't defend themselves. Jesus says, you don't interfere then with them coming to me. You interfere with them coming to me, be better off the millstone hung around your neck and you swallowed in the depths of the sea. Leviticus 18, verse 21, And you shall not let any of your descendants, your children, pass through the fire to Molech, nor shall you profane the name of your God, I am the Lord. Moses is forbidding child sacrifice. Molech, he was one of the Canaanite gods, and they'd make an, an image of him, metal, superheated, and they'd place little babies in it to sacrifice it to Molech. God says, you don't do that. You have respect and sanctity for the human life in Israel. Deuteronomy 12, verse 31, comments on these child sacrifices you shall not worship the Lord your God in that way. For every abomination to the Lord which he hates, they have done to their gods. For they burn even their sons and daughters in the fire to their gods. God hates that. It's atrocious. Leviticus 20, verses 1 through 5. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Again, you shall say to the children of Israel, Whoever of the children of Israel or of the strangers who dwell in Israel, who gives any of his descendants to Molech, he shall surely be put to death. The people of the land shall stone him with stones. I will set my face against that man and will cut him off from his people because he has given some of his descendants to Molech to defile my sanctuary and profane my holy name. And if the people of the land should in any way hide their eyes from the man, look the other way. I'm going to pretend it didn't happen. When he gives some of his descendants to Molech and they do not kill him, then I will set my face against that man and against his family, and I will cut him off from his people and all who prostitute themselves with him to commit harlotry with Molech. Let's keep looking the other way. What's going to happen to us? Psalm 106, verses 37 through 38 they even sacrificed their sons and their daughters to demons and shed innocent blood, the blood of their sons and daughters whom they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan, and the land was polluted with blood. 
Brethren, our land is polluted with the blood of innocent children. We've got to put a stop to this. The Bible and the unborn. The Bible values the life of the unborn. Exodus 21, verses 22 through 25. If men fight and hurt a woman with child so that she gives birth prematurely, yet no harm follows, he shall surely be punished according as the woman's husband imposes on him. And he shall pay as the judge determines. But if any harm follows, then you shall give life for life. The Bible values life in a woman's womb. Life for life. You hurt that mother with child, and it takes that child's life. Punishment is life. Life for life. Eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. David writes in Psalm 139, verses 13 through 16, For you formed my inward parts, you covered me in my mother's womb. Protection from the get-go, in the womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works. And that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret. And skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book they were all written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. God's protection even before he was born. Luke 1, 41, And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. The Bible places value on a human life in the womb. Well, if the Bible places value on human life from the get-go, from the womb, then we better choose life. Deuteronomy 30, verses 15 through 20. Deuteronomy 30, verses 15 through 20. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. In that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in His ways, to keep His commandments, His statutes and His judgments, that you may live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go to possess. But if your heart turns away so that you do not hear and are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I announce to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not prolong your days in the land which you cross over the Jordan to go in and possess. I call heaven and earth as witness today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. Now notice this, that both you and your descendants may live that you may love the Lord your God and that you may obey his voice and that you may cling to him for he is your life and the length of your days and that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give them. Choose life that both you and your descendants may live. I realize this passage is dealing with consequences for disobedience to God, cursings, blessings for obeying God. We often hear about a woman's right to 
choose. First off, there should never be a right to murder anyone. But to those who consider this wicked thing called abortion, choose life so that you and your descendants can live. That's the lesson for today. I realize that this is one of the most heart-wrenching sermons we can ever preach. It's unimaginable that we have embraced this as a society. And I know we here tonight don't embrace, or this morning don't embrace this. But many do. Too many do. We need to put a stop to it. We talk about choosing life this morning. How about you and your spiritual life? Are you choosing life? Are you choosing a life that will allow you to one day live with God in heaven? Or are you choosing destruction? The thing about that is when we choose life that leads to heaven, the life here is so much better too. Jesus says, I am come that you might have life and life more abundantly. The Christian life is the best life right now, but one day we're going to see heaven. It'll be even better, infinitely better. But the same goes for choosing destruction. If we choose the destruction that will lead to hell, we don't want that for anybody. It's going to be awful. But we also need to realize that we're choosing destruction for our life now, too. How many consequences are we reaping in our lives for bad decisions because we're living in sin? Don't do it. Live in righteousness. Obey the gospel. Be baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins this morning, having heard God's word. Believing in Christ repenting of your sins, confessing Christ. You can be added to the Lord's church when you're baptized in His name. And then continue choosing life by the way that you live your life. And it will be an abundant life. And ultimately it will lead to everlasting life in heaven. As we are about to stand and sing this song, think about what you're choosing. Make sure that you choose right. Choose life as together we stand and sing. Thank you for listening to this special episode of the Everyday Christian Podcast. I hope that this sermon was edifying and helpful to you as you consider uh, where our nation is on this important topic. I want to thank you for listening, as always, to this podcast and want to, again, invite your attention to the Scattered Abroad Network that we are, Lord willing, getting started coming in January. Please go to Facebook and like that. Follow it on Instagram and share those pages if you would and listen to all the various podcasts that are associated with it. And I know that it will benefit you greatly. Thank you for listening to the Everyday Christian Podcast. We'll see you next time.